Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. And today we're here with Mark Fenton, uh, Senior Product Manager at Cadence, and Mark Seymour, Lead Engineer at uh, Cadence. And uh, Mark uh, Seymour is also the former CTO of Future Facilities, which was uh, acquired uh, by Cadence uh, about a year ago, and uh, the uh, occasion of us gathering here today on the podcast is to talk about the uh, technology and business implications for the data center industry of liquid cooling technology. Uh, it really is, uh, in some sense, the hot button uh, technology of the moment for the data center, particularly uh, in the uh, era of uh, AI. So I'd like to welcome both of you in. Hello. Hello, thank you for having uh, us, Matt. Matt. Good to be here. Thanks. Great. And uh, I want to take you back uh, to uh, what I just said. I was reading an article in VentureBeat this week, uh, sort of uh, declaring uh, that the data center industry is transitioning from its cloud era and entering the AI era. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go, you know, too far in that because I think we're still in the cloud era, but we are uh, definitely extending into the uh, AI era. And uh, who knows how it's uh, going to look in uh, even five, especially 10 years. But um, I just wanted to jump in since liquid cooling technology is such a keystone technology um, for the data center now, uh, especially given AI. Um, and uh, just jump in with the questions. Uh, how is the rise of liquid cooling technology uh, impacting and enabling this transition uh, into uh, into the AI world of data centers? Okay, well, thanks for the question, Matt. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure that uh, cloud or AI are mutually exclusive, are they? I think they're absolutely symbiotic. Um, so we'll probably use lots and lots more cloud as, as AI continues to grow. Right. Um, so, you know, AI is uh, really uh, critical technology to us as a society. society now. We're using it everywhere, aren't we? In all sorts of things, social applications, commercial applications, all sorts of things. And the problem is it uses so much, so much compute. So uh, the compute's power intensive, energy intensive, and therefore cooling intensive. So, so we, we have to be able to uh, take those high power densities away. And there's only so much you can do with air. You need a, a, a more capable medium and, and hence liquid cooling. So liquid cooling uh, with, with, with all this compute density, is becoming more and more necessary. So we, you know, we have to follow the liquid cooling route. And, and the question is just how we do that uh, to enable the AI uh, era, as you call it, uh, within probably the cloud industry as well as uh, uh, enterprise facilities. Mm -hmm. Not mutually exclusive and symbiotic. Uh, I, I, I think that's dead on. Mark, did you wanna uh, 
Uh, Mark Fenton, did you want to weigh in on this uh, from uh, 30,000 feet before we get into the more uh, detailed questions? Yeah, sure. I think um, just thinking about some of the customers that we deal with, traditionally, when we've been talking about liquid cooling, we've been kind of talking to either the, the kind of hyperscalers who get to just try and research everything and anything and can be the kind of visionaries for data centers um, or kind of the, the HPC farms that are doing kind of Bitcoin mining where, you know, if they, they kind of lost some capacity they just plug in another unit and, and carry on trying to get the elusive bitcoin so um, those have been our kind of customers that have been pushing us for for more liquid cooling capabilities within the software but now we're starting to see that that's emerging into kind of other other um, types of organizations as you sort of you've pointed out that ai is becoming kind of cornerstone in a lot of technologies and a lot of applications and the compute is quite different to that traditional server cloud storage compute um, a lot of it leverages kind of the gpus um, that we're seeing emerging and so people are looking at if i need to bring this in what's the safest way to house it within the data centers so it's definitely um a, a critical challenge but for more people more widely within data centers and more organizations Absolutely. Now, um, I've heard uh, it said that direct liquid to chip uh, with cold plates uh, might currently be the most uh, versatile type of uh, data center cooling technology because um, it's easy to retrofit into existing data centers without uh, affecting adjacent systems. Um, can you talk about the uh, the flexibility of a uh, direct uh, liquid to chip with cold plates and even uh, uh, describe the particulars of uh, that type of uh, system? Okay, uh, yes, yeah, so liquid to chip, the beauty of that is, as you say, is that it can be fitted to almost any type of equipment. So you can take equipment that's been designed for air and and, and add cold plates instead of heat sinks. Uh, and many systems get uh, dual purpose, if you like, air-cooled and, and liquid-cooled versions. Uh, and it just requires um, a, a, a basically a chilled water supply to be able to be brought to the rack. So there's a, there's a bit of a challenge there in bringing it to the rack, but uh, we just need something to is isolate the facility water from the liquid cooling loop that's going in the rack. Uh, and we can uh, cool the IT equipment without too much risk of impacting the other systems that are already in there. There is some level of risk because if you make the air going through the IT equipment cool, you could undermine the air cooling system a little bit. But generally speaking, uh, yeah, you're, you're taking the heat away. And so you, you can have high power densities in a data center which otherwise couldn't deliver enough air to that rack or that IT equipment to be able to cool it. So it gives you the opportunity to start taking on higher power systems that you perhaps your data center wasn't designed for. Mark Fenton, any, anything to add? Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say, I haven't had a lot of the customers that I to talk to um, talking about retrofitting one rack or a couple of racks in an existing air cooled data center, uh, just because you know, they've generally invested a lot in the in the air cooling infrastructure and then to bring in a second system is expensive um, and you've got that kind of 
complexity of trying to marry these two systems together. So we're generally dealing with with customers who are saying, right, well, maybe we'll put a little suite in of high density in one corner and we'll bring in the cooling there. Um, or they design an entire um, facility or, or to, to be the liquid cooled part, um, you know, if it's a, a multi uh, data hauled facility um so i, I mean there are rich retrofitting options um yeah the direct chip is is uh, is one the rear door heat exchangers is another one that um you know you could you could effectively just replace the rear door um and not interrupt to interrupt the rest of the data center too much um but uh yeah generally i don't i haven't seen a huge amount of retrofitting happening um in in the existing sites now, if the data center is going to go uh, full uh, liquid cooling or consider that, is there any uh, cost uh, barrier or, I mean, is is there any real question if, if you're building a data center that you know is going to have to support AI workloads? I mean, do you find any customers who are, are trying to uh, look for uh, alternatives to LC or is it pretty much that uh, it goes hand in hand, uh, you know, with a AI these days in terms of uh, data center design? Um, I, well, I've seen from the conversations we're having it really, there's a few factors that are involved. Um, geography is one, you know, if you're, if you're kind of lucky enough to be in Northern Europe and, and you can get away with, with using outside air, then that's still from a sort of TCO's perspective is, is still com quite comparable to liquid cooling. Um, and so, so there's that kind of, balance of whether you whether you go to full liquid um but i think if you're designing a high density ai focused data center um it it's I think it's still probably okay to be done with with air cooled. There are other challenges like you need specialist people who understand liquid cooling technology, and if you don't have those people in your organisation, then there's costs involved in training and consultants, and and it's a skill that you know it's a new technology and it's a skill that not everyone uh, is comfortable with. Um, so there, and we know a lot about the lack of or the difficulty with with keeping skills within data centers and, 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 and recruiting more people in. Um, so I think, I think it's not a definite hundred percent. You should do it. Um, there are other things to consider, but I, I mean, it's, it's as it's becoming more prevalent and as people are seeing more, more and more uh, examples of it, I think that's another big question within the data center industry is that we're scared of change and there's a fear of, of the unknown and, and fear of risk. And and that's probably been one of the big barriers to liquid cooling is that you kind of hear that, oh, there's no way I want water anywhere near my my electronics. Um, and, you know, that th those people are still making decisions about about data center design and, and, and what they want to see. Um, so we're, we're a slow moving uh, a body uh, even with great technology on the horizon and i think so it's it's still a question of um what you're comfortable with and um but, but i think it's the inevitable truth that it will come and it will be it will be everywhere but yeah just how soon we don't know mark seymour uh, anything uh, to uh, tack on there before i uh, go on to another question yeah. Yes, yeah, so you 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 specifically mentioned cost in 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 your question. So uh, people tend to look at liquid cooling and assume it it's more expensive, and so then they try and justify that it's more expensive by uh, looking at how it can be more efficient. And the first thing that the data center industry does is say, well, what's the PUE of my data center? 
uh, if I add liquid cooling. And this is a really bad premise because it, it, it distracts from the concept of, of uh, understanding the benefits of liquid cooling. So you, you think about PUE, it's defined as, as the energy that you're using for the infrastructure uh, plus the, the uh, IT equipment divided by the IT equipment powering system. And, and, and state-of-the-art air-cooled data centers are down at you know 1.1 or somewhere around there. So there's not much to save, right? So even if you've got this super efficient liquid cooling system, the PUE doesn't look that much better. And that Actually, you have the potential of making it worse because the fans are incorrectly accounted for in, in, a, in an air cooling system for PUE. And so you can actually be potentially making PUE look worse. So people then decide, well, there's no cost benefit for going to liquid cooling. But that's a false premise because you're ignoring the fact that now you can do far more productivity hence your subject of AI that you mentioned, you know, you want to get a lot of compute through. Uh, well, you can do more of that if you go liquid cooled because you can actually have warmer chips and higher power densities and all this sort of stuff. So that's the benefit. We should be looking at uh, cost in terms of how much process do I get out of it, not just how's, what's happening to my PUE and my energy efficiency. So, you know, the cost is definitely improved, but only if you look at it in terms of productivity uh, really, that's when you see the major benefits. Thanks for those uh, insights. Now, in terms of uh, data center design, you know, and uh, liquid cooling and uh, design tools uh, such as DSIM, uh, digital twinning, um, what, um, how, how are these tools accounting for uh, for uh, liquid cooling uh, designs? Um, in, anticip in anticipation of AI uh, for brand new data centers, and also, um, you know, what has liquid cooling is is liquid cooling uh, affecting uh, the way these uh, tools are uh, developed and uh, implemented now? Uh, I hope that question uh, makes sense, but I, I just wanted to ask you about the specific uh, processes for uh, design. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I'll, I'll can jump in on that one. Um, so, I mean, my position is is uh, with the with the product management. So we're dealing with uh, the trends in technology and the, and how customers are, are using uh, the simulation software to design the next data center and the next the next generation of data centers. And they're always pushing, saying, you know, this is coming down. We need to be able to understand how this technology is going to improve the performance and so being able to simulate that um, within the digital twin environment is is really key um so we you know we've been um kind of preparing ourselves for liquid cooling uh being more prevalent within the within the software um, itself so that uh, a data center uh, designer can look at air cooled system versus a liquid cooled system side by side look at the energy efficiency look at the risk look at how much capacity they can um, safely hold because there's always that balance between those three sort of legs of the stool um, and and those the that uh, kind of functionality is starting to, to be embedded within the system so you can look at the performance of um of the entire data center and kind of a key component of that and it's not just about the white space it's it's about well once we've got that 
uh, heat either within uh, the chilled water system or within the liquid cooling system we need to get that outside and then we need to see, sort of safely emit that uh, outside the building so we're doing a lot of uh, simulation work around how the external part of the data center is operating so if you've got rooftop chillers or cooling towers how closely can I put those together and then if I happen to switch on a, a backup generator you know what's the impact of those emissions uh, on my data center performance and, and and maybe you're using fresh air for example so there's a lot there's lots of uh, really interesting work on um, designing those and then handing them over to the operators to continue looking at uh, having their own digital twin of their data center and being able to use it to to predict the change of anything that they're going to do in the future so any new deployments that come in they can in, install them in the digital twin and then proactively simulate what the impact is going to be of that new deployment uh mark seymour uh, any uh anything to yeah add? i think uh, mark introduced an important point that that uh, liquid cooling doesn't stop inside the white space inside the data center it, it goes it goes outside and, and obviously, we've got to be looking at the whole system. So the digital twin is important in understanding how we're going to reject it and, and understanding what the quality of the heat is that we're rejecting. So as we look forward, you know, we might be looking at uh, the, the, the way we, we reject that heat. So at the moment, we're trying to help people reject it efficiently to atmosphere. But, uh, you know, the, the data center industry is changing. And so we have to keep the digital twin moving along with that 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 uh, changing infrastructure so it's not just a transition from air cooling to liquid but it'll be a transition as to how we dispose of that heat too and we're aiming the digital twin to be able to support uh, people as they make try, start to make those decisions which are all new to them understood thank you um well uh, picking up on uh, uh, your last sentence about how the uh, data center industry is changing if so if i were to ask you point blank this is my sustainability question. How can liquid cooling uh, reduce the environmental uh, impact of data centers, uh, helping to future proof, but especially uh, um, with an eye towards how uh, governance becoming more stringent? Uh, you, you know, we talk a lot now about ESG uh, compliance, scope one, scope two, scope three. Can you sort of uh, illuminate uh, for me or uh, explain to me how uh, LC uh, works as, as a piece of that uh, ESG and sustainability uh, puzzle? Uh, of course, yeah, that, that's a, a, a great subject and, and dear to my heart in terms of, you know, looking after our planet. Um, the, the, the first thing to recognize is that whatever our cooling system is, we need to be making sure it's working well. So, so that's the first premise, whatever the cooling system is, if we want to contribute to ESG, we want to make sure that what we do is, is not only designed well, but operated well. So that, that's, that's critical. But liquid cooling has the huge advantage that we can potentially produce higher quality waste heat. We can't do anything about the fact that the IT is consuming energy, maybe we can make them a bit more efficient and that obviously helps. If we can make the IT more efficient, that's great. But assuming it's using heat, if we can get that heat back at higher temperatures, then we have the opportunity to be able to recover that heat and use it for, for other things. And then if we come back to PUE, instead of trying to get PUE down from 1.15 to 1.05, we're trying to get use that one 
So we have a much bigger target of energy that we can we, we can start reusing, and that would save a lot of uh, carbon footprint in terms of the planet. Um, so that that's a really big thing, and we're getting example systems like farms heated by uh, heat from data centers or district district heating systems and things like that. But we need to keep working on the higher quality heat that liquid cooling potentially gives us to be able to recover energy and do other work, maybe even can produce, turn it back into electricity. You know, we just need to make those processes efficient and people are working on that right now. For sure. Thank you. Uh, Mark uh, Fenton, any uh, add-on uh, views there on the sustainability uh, topic regarding LP? Uh, yeah, I, th I think it's it's fair to say that the efficiency you get from LC drives a lot of the other infrastructure that you need for the entire system. So we talk about this entire system needed for the for the cooling of a data center, not just the final piece. And generally, with air cooled systems, um, you'll have some external plant, and whether that's chillers or cooling towers, um, and and they're energy hungry. Um, whereas generally, with liquid cooling. We, we can have a simpler system on the outside, which which uses less energy to do the final piece of the heat exchange. Um, so that's kind of one element. Um, and then if you kind of compare the the, the delivery of the cooling um, as that as that density drives up, and we've talked about the AI and 5G, you just want incredible densities at the rack, you know, 20, 30, 40 kilowatts upwards at a single rack to deliver that amount of air to that volume in front it just requires a lot of space and a lot of fan power. And when you compare that to the pumps that you need just to, to deliver liquid cooling to the chips, it's quite a big saving that you'd get on the energy there just, just for the final delivery piece. So I think that's where liquid cooling has got some some uh, great opportunities for us in sustainability. It's, it's simplifying the amount of, of uh, machinery and there's all the embodied carbon that's involved in building and transporting and end of life with all that machinery as well as the operational energy part. Um, and so I think, yeah, it, it will really help us sort of feel better about ourselves as an industry. Um, you know, the data centers get a lot of criticism for for how much energy we use. Uh, we use. Um, so, you know, every, everything we can do to, to try and be efficient and, and effective with that um, will help us, I'm sure. Thank you for that. Uh, opportunities. I, I think it's a good uh, concept uh, to link to uh, sustainability uh, because, uh, you know, as uh, Mark Seymour uh, said, to, uh, you, you know, framing up those responses, it's, uh, you know, it's it's the planet, it's uh, where we live uh, that we're talking about. But to take it from opportunities, um, I want to take you to challenges. Um, can you describe um, any operational challenges that uh, will persist in uh, modern data centers, uh, even with the use of liquid cooling? Um, I've heard it cited uh, to me that uh, even, uh, you know, extracting the heat through liquid, uh, the process can still only take out about 60 or 70% of the heat. Uh, that's not an insignificant amount, but if you have a 20 or 30 kilowatt rack, uh, that still leaves uh, eight or 12 kilowatts of heat going into the air, uh, possibly limiting uh, the capabilities of the rack. So it's, uh, sort of uh, a way to get to a larger question of uh, you know what operational challenges uh, will persist with data center uh, cooling 
even with the use of uh, LC technology? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can jump in to start. Um, I think data centers love a silver bullet, and we had this when uh, cold oil containment came in. Everyone everyone was saying, "Oh, the cold oil containment is going to save us, and it will be it will make air delivery so simple. Um, we won't have to worry about delivering air to the front of IT." And then people started installing containment, and it it does improve things, but there are also challenges with it. Uh, it it's difficult to control. It, there are there are challenges around leakages so uh you know it isn't the silver bullet the same is true of liquid cooling um the, the science and the when you talk about it the concept it sounds like it it should just work and it should always be on you know 100 efficient the numbers on the 60 70 i think it just depends on this on the system some may be better um taking taking more heat out but uh, there will be some remaining and then that's a challenge for the for the rest of the data center to how to remove that from from the white space so you need some mechanism to 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 remove that final 10 percent or whatever the percentage is of heat that's left in the room um and then there are there are other things to think about um so you're delivering a lot of liquid cooling what is it like in terms of a failure because i think people are worried about risks of leaks or failures to parts of the system and with air cooling well if if that goes wrong well you've got a, a room full of air that you could use as a store um whereas if if your your pumps delivering the liquid to to your chips fail you haven't got very much time before you, you can see critical thermal issues um within those bits of it so i think um i don't think liquid cooling is going to be this uh this solution that, that you just turn it on and you can sit back and you never have a problem um i think designing data centers is, is still going to be challenging um and and just liquid cooling is just a different challenge there will be different problems to to think about and different um yeah, different areas yeah thanks uh mark mark seymour i see you uh, nodding your head did you have something you wanted to uh, put in there yeah, I think there are some great uh, comments that I've received over the years about this. Mark mentioned the containment issue. I, I was asked uh, whether whether I got rid of the company when uh, containment came out, and I asked why, and they said, well, the, the problems are all solved. And we get similar comments now about uh, liquid cooling. I asked people whether they were doing any design for liquid cooling, the, the system providers, few years back and they all said well why do we need to do design and now you talk to the liquid cooling providers they all look at how the flow the liquid moves through the network and can they deliver it to all the different systems the problem is the power densities are rising and to be able to take that heat away you've got to make sure you deliver your cooling efficiently so um we are always going to have the challenge of how we deal with that and and it's it's very noticeable that Ashray have introduced a lower temperature water class already because the power densities are high. Uh, and, and you have to ask the question about some of the uh, liquid cooling me 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 mechanisms. So, for example, when you look at immersion cooling, uh, it could potentially take away pretty much 100% of the heat from the electronics. But because it's a buoyancy-driven flow, not forced convection, it may not be able to take away the same power densities that force convection through a cold plate system will be able to take away. So th these are choices that you have to make. So we always need to be able to look and say for the particular application that we're looking at, 
what is the best solution? You know, what's the right fluid? What's what's the right mechanism for taking the heat away? It's not an ultimate panacea, but it's a way of doing better. Thank you uh, for those remarks. So um, you just mentioned uh, immersion cooling um, in contrast to uh, direct uh, chip. Uh, any uh, more distinctions uh, to 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 draw there? If uh, if I'm a data center owner and I'm uh, okay, I'm going to go with the liquid cooling uh, route. Um, you know, is uh, my sometimes my perception? You know, uh, working on the frontier of data centers is that immersion cooling is the uh, is the bleeding edge. Um, I don't know if that's true. So uh, that's you know, what I'm here to ask you. Okay. Well, I think it's it's the bleeding edge in the, in the extent that we're not so experienced in knowing how to do it. So what choice of fluid you might make uh, and how will it work? You know, material compatibility. If, if I immerse the entire computer, will there be material compatibility issues between the fluid and the boards and the insulation and all these these sorts of things we have? much less experience as, a, as an industry in, in how that works. So to that extent, it's more of a bleeding edge. Is it the uh, ultimately the bleeding edge in terms of its next generation tech technology and everything will go from cold plate to, to immersion? I think that's probably not true because forced convection can take more heat. Uh, so higher density chips will probably use want to use force convection and 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 cold plate technology. So that, that these are choices that we have to make and we have to be able to analyze. Um, that there's merit in all of them, uh, mm -hmm. but it depends on how you're going to use them. Thanks for that insight, uh, Mark Fenton. Any uh, any final note uh, on that? Uh, I think the only question I always get asked is about the maintenance of immersion cooling and, and how uh, how easy is it to get in there and 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 actually try and fix anything or do you just you know toss the, toss the board away and put in a new one um so i i think as mark said that all of all of the technologies in lc have um have got pros and cons um because they are not so prevalent at the moment it's difficult for us to draw comparisons on which one is going to be the ultimate winner or whether they maybe they won't maybe they'll all um you know be used uh, in their own in their own right um the good news is here at cadence we're kind of agnostic to to all of those technologies as long as we can simulate them and allow the data center professionals to uh, put them in the digital twins do like by like and be able to say which is the one that satisfies them for their particular application best. Um, then I think uh, you know we can happily sit on the fence and just uh, watch the industry drive it itself. Um, so it's a nice place to be. Right. Well, we'll we'll continue doing that here. Uh, I want to thank you both uh, for uh, joining me here today on the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. Um, you know. Liquid cooling technology is, uh, you know, the, t the technology of the moment. Uh, we need to keep covering it. And uh, who better to speak to than uh, experts from a, uh, a company uh, like uh, Cadence Design. So uh, thank you both again and uh, have a great day. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Much appreciated.